Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Just for the sake of covering my bases with the big guy, I would just like to reiterate that you should all keep the commandments, okay? Just want to make sure that the Lord knows that I'm teaching it. Okay. <laughs> so a few years ago, there was a, uh, there was a young man from my home parish that uh, I used to journey with through my involvement with the youth group at, at St. Mary's. I, I met him when he was in middle school, journeyed with him through high school, and, you know, mentoring, praying together, just that kind of relationship. And anyway, he was a great kid. So I was in my end of years as a seminarian, early priesthood, as he was coming up through middle school and high school, he, he graduated college now, so that's, that's, how, that's where he is in life now. Anyway, during one of the retreats when he was in high school, uh, he and I were praying together Saturday night, and he was just sharing his heart, and he was telling me about how his, his parents at the time were going through the process of getting a divorce, which was just brutal for him and his siblings, absolutely brutal. And I remember him telling me this story that he said he came home one night after partying, right? Mind you, he's, he's in high school and he's doing what high school kids uh, tend to do when their parents aren't looking. He's doing all sorts of things that he shouldn't be doing. He's numbing himself. He's turned into all sorts of things that he ought not to be doing. And he came back to his house late at night. Well, I guess it would early in the morning early in the morning. And his parents were there in the kitchen sitting at the island. And he remember he was sharing with me, he said he thought, like, wow, like they were waiting up for me. Like they're they're they've been worried about me. They're gonna they're gonna yell at me, they're gonna ground me. And this is what he said next. He said, That's not why they were up. In fact, they didn't even know, he goes, they didn't even know I was out of the house. They didn't even know I was out of the house. They were just up again having another fight. And they said, as he came in, they just greeted me normally and they never asked me any questions, even though it was obvious that things were amiss. Never asked him any questions, never gave him any grief for being intoxicated. They didn't ground him, nothing. And he's telling me the story and he says, and I just stood there and I just started crying. This is like senior in high school, this guy, he starts crying. He's crying really hard and then he goes, and I just started screaming at them. Like, you don't even care. You don't even care. You just, you just let me do whatever I want. You don't even, you don't know where I am. You don't know, and you don't even care who my friends are. You don't care what I'm doing or who I'm hanging out with. Like, why don't you give, he said this, why don't you give me rules like my other parent, my other friend's parents? Why don't you ground me? Why don't you yell at me? Why don't you take my phone away like my other friend's parents? You don't do anything. He just says, you just don't care. He's telling me that story. My heart's just breaking for him because he's intuiting something very deep and very profound. And it's this, that like laws and rules, they're an expression of love. It's an expression of love that God's law that he gives that we hear in that first reading from Deuteronomy, God's law is an expression of his heart, his immense love for us. He says no because he loves. And you who are parents, you know this. The no is an expression of love. You got God giving these laws through Moses to his people, these people whom he freed. 
from slavery to Pharaoh in Egypt, these people who were in abject slavery for 430 years, he gives them these laws, he gives them these statutes and ordinances that they, that they may remain free. Like, if you would maintain your freedom, then you have to, at the very least, do these things. If you want to flourish, at the very least, you have to do these things. If you want to be attractive to the other nations, you have to do these things. And then Jesus comes on the scene, right, in the gospel that we have, this rabbi from Nazareth, and he starts making these stunning claims about his relationship to the law. He says things like, I have not come to abolish the law. Now, if you're a first century Jew listening to this rabbi speaking, and you're like, well, like, who does this guy think he is? I've not come to abolish the law. Like, okay. Then he says, I've not come to abolish, but to fulfill it. Again, if you're a first century Jew hearing him, you're all the hair on the back of your neck is standing up, everything, all the flags are, are raised, and you're thinking, who in the world does this guy think he is? Like, seriously, he has come to fulfill the law? Yeah, he has. What's interesting, the word that Jesus uses, the Greek word that he uses for fulfill, it has the connotation of bringing something to its fullness in the sense of making it bear the fruit that it was always meant to bear bringing something to completion, to fulfillment, bringing it to the fullness. See, the scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the people who Jesus was always butting heads with, they made this very understandable but very crucial mistake in their interpretation of the law that they thought that if I just try really, 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 really hard, then I can perfectly, ostensibly, arguably, fulfill its demands. They thought it was a matter of willpower, but it just is not. It's not even close. St. Augustine, you've heard me say this before. St. Augustine said that the law was given. The law was given that grace might be sought. And grace was given that the law might be fulfilled. In the giving of the law, the Lord was allowing his people Israel to feel. He wanted them to feel their utter incapacity to actually do this on their own. And then grace is given to give them the capacity to do this. So this is how Jesus fulfills the law. It's not as though he comes along and he's thinking, all right, these laws, these laws don't go far enough. That's not it. He's thinking these laws don't go deep enough. They don't go deep enough. Like he doesn't intensify the demands of the law. What he does is he gives us the power, the grace to actually begin living the law, the demands of the law, and the deepest meaning of the law in the first place. John Paul II, when he's teaching the world in his theology of the body, he makes this distinction between the ethic of the law and the ethos, ethic versus ethos, right? The ethic is the norm itself. Think of the law, thou shalt not commit adultery. It's the ethic. That's the norm. That's the law. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, whosoever looks at a woman even with lust has committed adultery with her in his heart. And people think, and people today still think, like, gee whiz, man, like, you just made things so much harder. Like, you've raised the bar so much higher. And the point that the crowds miss, the point that we often miss, is that what he actually wants to do is he wants to come in and heal. He wants to heal the heart itself, the heart that longs to commit adultery in the first place. Like, the problem is, like, the problem It's not that you can't keep the law. The problem is that you want to break it. I want to to do radical heart surgery is what he's saying. Radical, radix, right? To the root. 
That's what he wants to do. He wants to go to the root of the problem, which is the heart. This again, John Paul II, he says this, Christ's words show how deep down it is necessary to go. How the innermost recesses of the human heart must be thoroughly revealed so that this heart might become a place in which the law is fulfilled. That Jesus is showing us how deep down this transformation has to go. That it's again not mere behavior modification, but it's transformation deep in the heart, which is only facilitated by our own vulnerability. Right? John Paul II, how the innermost recesses of the heart must be thoroughly revealed. Who has the capacity to thoroughly reveal your heart? You. You're the only one who can open your heart, thoroughly reveal it, to let the light in. And that happens. That It's meant to happen at every single Mass. Every single Mass is meant to be like another like radiation therapy treatment where we come in and we open our hearts, exposing the deep things, letting the light in to heal and shrink the tumors of our sinfulness. It doesn't happen necessarily overnight with a quick fix. It's this slow, progressive letting the light in. This is what the Lord is inviting us into. Deep, deep transformation of the heart. Amen.